We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This season, all your favorites have one home for the holidays. Yours with Disney+. Plus. Merry Christmas! Moana, Woody, Buzz, Captain Marvel, Darth Vader, and Homer will all be there, so make room. Make Disney Plus your home for the holidays. Streaming Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, and 30 seasons of The Simpsons. That's something to celebrate. Merry Christmas to you! All these and more now streaming. Go to DisneyPlus.com to sign up now. Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price $999.99. APR while supplies last. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, a missable opinion brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Hello and welcome again to all those who are part of our closed Facebook group. You can join that just by typing in the Barcelona Podcast on Facebook or easier go to tbpod.link backslash group. That'll take you right to that closed Facebook group. You can just fill out two or three questions about well, why you want to be in the group. We'll get you involved or on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13. You can also find all that stuff in the show notes. I'm Dan Hilton. He's Frances Tomas. We've got no Lagrand Pagunta today, but we're going to get right into La Ronda because if you wonder why I'm talking so fast, we have a big interview coming up. It's John Driscoll, who we reference on the pod plenty in the La Liga Weekly podcast brought to you by Sky Sports. And if you heard the big news or even if you haven't, we're going to hear from him about some of the big changes going on in at least Britain's coverage of La Liga. That pretty much sum it up, Frances. Anything else before we get to La Ronda? No, I just want to say welcome to everyone to the show. The Barcelona Podcast 84 starts right here. 
And we'll start with the big game coming up over the weekend. We know what that is. El Clasico, if you're listening to this, you know what's upcoming. So we're going to get right into those questions. And we've got, I've kind of broken up into different categories. First, we've got some miscellaneous predictions, etc., etc. Nikolai asks, do you think we are favorites to win the game? And what is your prediction of the game, Frances? I'll go first here saying that apparently there are rumors that Zidane might go with more of a, a bench unit or more of a second rate, not his full team, because he wants to conserve energy for the Champions League final, and so he doesn't want to put all his eggs in trying to win this basket. And also, again, for Real Madrid, it's almost a win-win situation. If they beat Barca with the second-rate team, it looks good for them. And if they lose, he can say, oh, well, it was just the bench players. Barca wanted to win this more than we did because we're looking forward to the Champions League final. So it, it kind of takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails. It really does. I mean, this is one of the, in my eyes, one of the most irrelevant classicos in recent history. Whoever wins it is going to say... Hooray, we got three points. I mean, (laughs) next to nothing. Um, Clearly, Real Madrid have got nothing else but the honor to defend. Um, They threw away La Liga several months ago um, in a way that, for me, is inexplicable. And most coolers listening to this would absolutely hate and they would be sort of burning the camnol if we were that far away from the La Liga. And, you know, in a way that brings down to the fact that Madridistas and coolers are very different. Um, I've been listening a lot to what Madrid fans have to say and they are so proud to make the Champions League finals and you know don't don't get me wrong that is a great achievement but they totally disregard La Liga and, and I think that's quite a skillful thing to do from the Madrid media because having so many millions of people actually buying into nonsense that has to be remarkable so if anyone can ever tell me how they can brainwash so many people all at once please let me know because um, I want to know that recipe. To me, it's nonsense that such a historical club that pride themselves on being so fantastic at pretty much everything they do can actually just throw away La Copa. Yeah, you know, we don't really play ourselves in La Copa, so that's fine. Then they throw away La Liga. Yeah, but, you know, we've got a chance of winning the Champions League again, which is the most important trophy. I, to me, it's puzzling. And as a culé, I think, as Eugenia very rightly explain in our first show this week, which I strongly recommend you go back and listen to after this one. Um, it's something that every Barca fan wants to do. They, they want every single trophy or at least having the chance to challenge for it. But, you know, Real Madrid's DNA is clearly different. So you kind of answered our second question. Michael from Montreal asked, is this Classico going to provide our players with any solace if we come out of it with three points or will they carry the weight of April the 10th on their shoulders all summer long? And I think after that parade, Frances, it doesn't look like the players are kind of bringing that and keeping that with them. So I think Kool-Aid's have to take a page out of the player's book and kind of get rid of it a little bit. And I think win or lose for this one, Barcelona won the double and there's nothing else to be taken away from that. The double is done. Yes, I think one of the key things is um, what this league is going to be remembered for. At the moment, is La Liga Invicta, is the, the Invictus League, the unbeaten league. And, you know, regular listeners to the podcast know that I don't really care about that very much, but it seems to be the strap line for the current competition. And if we don't win a Clásico, and say, say we lost a Clásico and then we went on to win every other game, Real Madrid forever will be able to say that. The only league that Barca were going to be unbeaten, they were the only ones to beat them. So, as you said, it's a win-win situation for Madrid. And from Barca's perspective, I think it's a clear, because of what's left in the season, is the clearest bigger occasion that is left in the calendar. And we really have to go all out. Um, there is no reason to rest players for anything. 
And yeah, for me, it's, it's what we need to do. Go and win a Clásico. And if we can beat them by, say, 4-5-0, I know that, you know, may, 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 may sound quite impossible in someone's ears, but if we beat them so convincingly with such a great dif- distance, that may, and th- this is the key word, it may supposedly influence the confidence for the Champions League final. I think that's a big if, but, you know, if we can go all out and leave everything on the pitch in order to achieve our victory, which is convincing, that's only going to add to our favour, which, let's face it, our favour is that Madrid actually does not win the Champions League because of our rivalry. Stefano asks, how is the city during the days leading up to El Clasico? Can you share your past experiences from the times we've won and times we lost? So, Francesc, this one's directly for you because I've never been over in Spain for El Clasico. Well, El Clasico is a great occasion. I think in recent years particularly, it has been, it has really become a worldwide event that arguably is sometimes even live with more passion outside Barcelona than in Barcelona. Obviously, I'm not saying that Cules are totally oblivious of what's going on, but um, the work that the Peñas are doing around the world, and obviously Mike Miller, who just we got a question from, is doing wonders in Canada. I know from our fans and, and friends at LA, New York City, Dallas, Denver, Fresno, everywhere in the world. There's a lot of fandom, there's a lot of passion, and there's a lot of belief that Barca is something that belongs to their souls. And I think because it's such a great occasion and there's so much work in a way behind the scenes and in the in foreign countries rather than just Barcelona itself. I think the passion can be lived anywhere in the world right now. Obviously, within the city centre, you start seeing the streets getting a little bit busier, especially with visiting fans. Um, when Madrid fans obviously travel from Madrid, but a lot of them actually live in Barcelona. Um, they're not a crowd to be very visible around the city because obviously <laughs> you don't really want to see people wearing white or Madrid white around Barcelona city centre, but some brave ones do do that. I think the city of Barcelona actually gets invaded much more during Champions League games. Say if you play someone like, I don't know, say Liverpool or Manchester or either someone like Ajax, you know, the the city sort of changes colour. But for Madrid, visitors are wary as to their safety around the city, and rightly so, I would say. So you don't really see that. And then while El Clasico is going on, Streets are deserted, uh, you've got some cars going places, but the vast majority of people, particularly in the city centre, either walking around, they've gone into bars in order to watch a game, but you know most people actually stay at home to watch it, or they gather in big events, say in uh, Polideportivos, which are big arenas, or they go to the cinema to watch the game, which actually does happen as well, but streets are deserted, and as soon as the, the game finishes, it's like, a, like an explosion of people um, going about their business, hopefully with a great smile because they've actually won the game. So let's transition. And the subplot of El Clasico is this is the final El Clasico for Andres Iniesta. So we have a few questions from Brian in Israel asking, how tough do you think Iniesta will be working to get back from his injury so he's possible for the team lineup? Because he's been dealing and struggling this week with an injury and seeing if he's going to get back in time and that puts him in doubt for a Clasico, then Israel asks, I think Iniesta needs to be in the starting lineup, even if he's basically dealing with that injury just because it is his last El Clasico. And even at a 60% Iniesta, he might provide the exact same kind of thing that, I mean, another bench player like Gomez might. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. There's, there's different ways to see that. 
Iniesta, obviously, is going to be his last Clásico. He has to take part. I mean, today we're recording this on Friday evening, and today he took part on training, and he had the training as normal. Um, he was probably recovering from tiny little niggle here and there, and, you know, the guy's 34 years old, so, you know, he's not going to be that fit every single time. So I think there is no question he's going to play. Now, is he going to start a Clásico? I actually... And this is probably going to sound bizarre for some people. I actually don't want him to start a Clásico. I think that it would be good to see what the other players can do without him. And so that when he comes on, say, around the 60th, 70th minute, he can come in and actually do actually make a difference and, and perform at the best level. Also, you need to consider that. And again, this is going to sound really pessimistic, but I, I for whatever reason this week, I've been thinking about Victor Valdez. Uh, Victor Valdez had his deal to Monaco done and he suffered a terrible injury that actually stopped his transfer and he ended up, you know, he ended up at um, Manchester, Manchester United B, I think it was, um, struggling for, for playing time. So I think that's also at the back of Iniesta's mind. You certainly don't want to get a huge injury uh, when you're about to sign such a lucrative contract to go to China or wherever actually he's going, which seems to be China. Reportedly, 81 million euros for three seasons. I don't think anyone in their right mind would be able to reject that, especially after already announcing his departure. So I think there are a lot of factors you need to play. And, and because of that, I think it's in everyone's interest that Iniesta does take part, but as a second half late substitute. A guy who could play a factor in it, Usmane Dembele. There's been some news about him this week from... Again, another question from Israel. And Sharar asks, do you think we should loan Dembele out for a season if that's Antoine Griezmann coming in so that he gets more playing time? And please talk about the Dembele possible loan because that rumor this week is that if Griezmann comes in, that means Dembele is going to be heading out. And we were kind of wondering that. How is Griezmann going to fit in? What would that mean for Dembele's playing time? Where would that put Coutinho on the field? Seems like with Iniesta gone, Coutinho is going to be in the midfield, center of the midfield. And that's almost guaranteed at this point. Or... If Valverde stays with that 4-4-2, it'll be continue out on the left. So where does that put Dembele and Griezmann? And for me, Dembele has to stay at Barcelona. I don't think there's, even if he was having to come off the bench in 70% of matches, Dembele should not be sent out on loan. It takes time to get used to Barcelona's playing style. And after dealing with so many injuries, getting a full preseason and spending time with the team, I think is the most important thing. Because what's he going to do going to another big club, having to learn a different way that they want to play at that club, and then try to come back into Barcelona? It's still not going to work. No, <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, we talked about that at length in a previous episode. Uh, that's tvpod.link forward slash 83. Um, our guest Barca Lev, the fantastic Barca Lev, very opinionated, very fun, very convincing actually. Um, talked about that at length. Eugenia Caroli as well did it and I added my little bit. So absolutely go back to our previous episode um, and that's, that's answered for you. All right, that's easy enough. We got some more questions and I also want to say that we are not going to get to all our questions asked in the Facebook group today. And if we didn't, Francesca and I will make sure we go back and answer your questions personally on the closed Facebook group. And if you're not a part of that group, again, join at tbpod.link backslash group. Anyway, we've got some tactics questions. Luke asks, what positional matchups are you most looking forward to seeing on Sunday? And Rod asks, what should the tactics be? Looking at the way Madrid played against Bayern, should we stick to the 4-4-2 or just go back to a Barca-style classic 4-3-3 against Real Madrid? And I think Valverde, you want to get a result in this game no matter what. Again, it's a point of pride for Barcelona to at least get a draw on this one. And so I think they're going to go with the way they've been playing all season. 
Yeah, agreed. I think that it makes absolutely no sense to change what is working. Uh, we want the domestic double playing with a 4-4-2 in which the normally it's been the right interior, so the right open um, midfielder has been drifting towards the byline. Um, a lot of the time it's been Sergi Roberto in terms of overlapping from a right-back position, but most of the time it's been someone who's had some sort of offensive uh, flair to the game. At times it's been Coutinho, you know, it's varied, but um, I think the 4-4-2 has to be the way we play because because experiments rarely work but you certainly don't want to be playing around when you've got the eyes of millions watching you and you've got a classico against Real Madrid however irrelevant it may be in terms of points in terms of Liga um, achievements because we already won it but you absolutely want to be a diverse version and you're most confident so yeah 4-4-2 for me Last one. We have less than 30 seconds to answer this, Frances. Jose asked, what do you think of the Thiago rumors this week about the player wanting to return to Barcelona? Frances, he's going to cost a whole lot of money. And for this, I think we should put a pin in it, say to be continued, and we'll try to break this one down if those rumors get a little more intense. I think Thiago is a player who obviously knows the Barca DNA. He knows the Barca style. He loves the city. He's been with us for many, many years then left us so you know i think if the money is right we could bring him back but i I don't think he's going to be someone who i'm going to personally desperate want to bring back because for me if you've got it all to succeed at barca which he did he was surrounded by iniesta xavi and even says fabregas at one point as well he had everything to, to to continue to grow and he just wasn't patient enough of course it's a job opportunity it's um you know it's, a, it's to, to, for him. It was a great chance to work with Guardiola again in a different environment. So I do understand why he left. But at the same token, I don't think we should go desperately, you know, bend over backwards for him to return. If um, if there is a price and it suits us, great. If it doesn't, then so be it. Um, I know the Thiago come back to Barca one wagon in social media seems to be in full flow, but I'm not getting on it just yet. I think he also wanted to play, of course, to go with Pep Guardiola, and that was a big striking point there. And speaking of Pep Guardiola, a man who's been dealing with baldness for quite a few years now, that transitions us perfectly to our show sponsor, Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Baldness is a problem for men, Frances, especially if you're pulling out your hair because of El Clasico. There have been some nervous games, but I'm going to ask you, what do you think of a particularly nerve-wrecking El Clasico? Or is there a match in particular when you just remember being at your wit's end in terms of nerves? Well, El Clasico always is something that um, gets my heart racing and pumping. And, you know, I can be quite loud jumping around and, you know, it happens. But I think the, the games that really make me very nervous are the games against Atletico Madrid and Espanyol. And not simply because of the results. Obviously, the results is important. To me, is the way they play, the way that the referee allowed them to be, I was going to say aggressive, but the word is not aggressive. The word is violent. So that really drives me crazy, that the fact that they're allowed to play like that. And, and also, particularly in Espanol's case, is, is the hatred they've got towards us. Like, we don't really like them very much, but they the whole season revolves around beating us for some reason. And... You know, particularly two, three years ago when um, Paul Lopez stepped on Messi's leg, I, I, you know, I didn't break the TV. Uh, I don't know why I didn't, because um, I was very loud and very hyper excited in the wrong way. So, yeah, the matches against Espanol really wind me up. And Atletico Madrid is a very close second. 
And so while that kind of baldness might not be natural, pulling your hair out, for those with natural baldness, Hims is the option. It's forhims.com. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. They say that there's no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. You go through a doctor. That's the whole thing. You answer a few quick questions. The doctor will review and can prescribe things to you. The products are shipped directly to your door. And Frances, I think for me in the States, seeing this kind of brand and for Hims, I've now been getting to see commercials on this and we see a lot of other podcasts now doing this. So this isn't just some thing that, you know, we at the Barcelona podcast have brought on this sponsor that it seems to be something that we needed a sponsor. No, this is a sponsor that a lot of big shows are trusting and putting their trust in. And I think for these reasons that you work through a doctor, it's an important part. Absolutely. We've had several offers on several sponsors and some of the brands really didn't fit what our audience wanted, you know, what our audience is like. Um, we can always throw a lot of things at you, but actually for Hims and, and the company behind it has a great reputation. It's a company that is growing and we really think that you should take advantage of the offer that we've got. And we're only showing it and sharing it with you because we care and we think that it will be beneficial for either most or at least some of you. So order now. Listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to forhimscom slash Barcelona. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Barcelona. forhimscom slash Barcelona. And now comes the time in the show you've heard enough from Frances and I. It's time to listen to John Driscoll. We've referenced his work again on the Legal Weekly podcast by Sky Sports many, many times, and... He's got some personal news to share, as well as what's happening with Sky Sports. And Frances and he also get into a lot of good stuff about Messi, Iniesta, and Barcelona versus Real Madrid. So let's get right to that interview. Okay, thank you, Dan. Um, I am delighted to be joined by the fantastic John Driscoll from Sky Sports and a variety of media. I am delighted. I've been a fan for many, many years. Um, obviously, in a way, John, we haven't really spoken off air about this, but... You are one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. I started listening to the Spanish football podcast and obviously your one, the La Liga Weekly from Sky Sports. And I just want to say thank you for everything you do for podcasting and obviously La Liga. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Of course, of course. Um, it is a pleasure to have you, as I just said. And um, we're going to start with news that obviously just came out yesterday. You may have sort of known that before us. And basically, it's the news that Sky Sports, after I would say over 20 years of doing fantastic work at, um, you know, dealing with La Liga and sharing it with the UK listeners and fans, they've lost the right um, to retransmission to 11 sports. So how, how are you feeling about that? Uh, interesting times, aren't they? Um, it, was, it was a bit of a shock when it first happened. I've known for, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, we... It's gone to the wire before because of the way that La Liga has been organised in the past. That it, it literally last time, three years ago, we thought it was going to be T um, for a couple of days and, and then it ended up back with Sky. So we sort of assumed it was happening, really. I mean, obviously, I'm not involved in negotiations. I honestly don't know who is um, someone at a you know, much different pay grade level uh, from the commentators and presenters and, and you know, the you know, immediate production guys. Mm-hmm. So it was... Yeah, so it was, a, it was a it was a surprise. Even then, I was thinking, oh no, it's just brinksmanship. You know, it, it will come back. Uh, but Sky, you know, they said they had their valuation of it. They said they weren't 
they couldn't justify paying the same money that they'd paid previously uh, because that deal was done at the last minute um, three years ago. And so they they put in an offer, but La Liga's got a much more formal process this time round where you had to get the bids in by a certain date. And um, all Sky heard back was, right, that's it, it's gone. And they didn't initially know where it was going to. Um, not many of us know much about 11 Sports, certainly not in the UK. I know that they operate in other countries. And I know, you know, I know what I've read about, you know, the the Leeds owners, and you know, I know it's part of a big media group and all of these things. So uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, it's literally um, as much as that at, at the moment. Haven't you know? They haven't been they haven't been on the phone trying to poach us all yet or any, any anything like that. So I imagine that there's an awful lot of work to do because obviously they put the bid in. They must have had something of an inkling of what they were going to do with it. But at the same time, they wouldn't have known. That they would outbid Sky. I don't think. I don't think they've gone in with a with a, you know, a stupidly high bid or anything like that. I think it's a you know relatively. I think it's a cheap product, La Liga. when you consider it the the price of TV rights at the moment. So um, we'll see what they've got planned. I, I imagine um, that they've got to make some very quick decisions. And and obviously, what we all hope as, as you know, putting my Spanish football fan hat on, the worst thing that can happen is what happened to the Copa del Rey which is when Sky didn't buy it, nobody else did. And from it being, you know, it, it, your January packed full of Spanish football with two or three midweek matches, it was suddenly gone and you can watch it on, online, you can watch it on a you know, bookmaker's sites and this kind of thing. But, you know, as for a proper TV production, it was gone. And, and you know, so I'm sure that won't happen with 11 sports. I'm sure they will have a plan. And, and you know, we, we await with interest what it might be. Well, from our positions as listeners, audience and fans of your work for years, I think what you do with Terry and Guillem particularly, it's, it's second to none. So if anyone is listening from 11 Sports, I really you should give these guys a call because they are masters at what they actually do. Um, let's, let's, the elephant in the room is gone now, so let's just move forward <laughs> with that one. Um, obviously, you've commentated on hundreds of matches in La Liga for many, many years. Is there any one game or result that really springs to mind above all others? Oh, that's, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I remember the first one I did was a Real Betis versus Valencia game. Uh, and I was I was sick as a dog. <laughs> I was really, really ill. I literally, I was in bed until I think about one o'clock um, in, in the afternoon because I was so ill and I had to get up and drag myself in and do this game with teams I wasn't particularly familiar with. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do remember that one. And I remember... I remember a Real Madrid game. Do you remember the one where Pepe lost, absolutely lost his head? Of course, we remember it. We see it on YouTube every week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> keep retweeting it all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I commentated on that game. That, that was a, a fascinating one. Um, I don't get to do as much Barcelona as I would like. That was in the Classico. Um, who knows in the future? So that, that, that would be nice. I, my most memorable Barcelona commentary is probably, do you remember Messi scoring the goal against Athletic? where he was injured and they we weren't expecting him to play and he came back and he played and he scored that magnificent goal where he dribbled three or four people on the edge of the penalty area. I know it's messy, so I know that's quite... It doesn't narrow it down too much, does it? Messi scoring magnificent goals. But yeah, that that one uh, you know, sticks in my mind as a for a Barcelona game. Is he the most difficult player to comment on? Because, you know, the others, you sort of know what they could do. It's everything's within the possible range, but Messi just creates out of nowhere. It's impossible to predict. So is it hard, harder to commentate on Messi? And because when we do the podcast, I pretty much have run out of adjectives to, to use for him. 
that's the problem, isn't it? Because they, funnily enough, on Sky Sports uh, yesterday, they did a messy, I don't know whether it was his 100th best goals or something. But, I mean, there's plenty to choose from. <laughs> but there was messy goal after messy goal after messy goal. And you're watching them and you're thinking, we're struggling for new adjectives here. You know, genius, magical, all of these, all, all of these things. And it's just because there are so many goals out there, so many great goals. And I've, I, I, I say this all the time with Messi. He is the best player there has ever been. And we still don't rate him highly enough. We still get to the point where we almost take him for granted. And if anyone else, because he, you know, he scored a hat-trick, uh, yet another hat-trick. Um, and it gets to the point where if anybody else scored a, a hat-trick of, of the quality of the one that he scored in the last game, everyone would be getting really excited about it. Where it's almost, a, a, it gets to the point where we just nod it through. Oh, yeah, yeah, another hat-trick from Messi. Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, he's good, isn't he? Yeah. And and we, I think we failed to appreciate the magnitude of it. When you look at past, battle, I know Ronaldo's a brilliant player. Might not be a popular place to say that, but he is. Um, but when you look at past Ballon d'Ors before this era, it was genuinely up for grabs between about 10 players as to who might win the Ballon d'Or, World Player of the Year or whatever. Whereas, you know, the, the remarkable thing about Ronaldo is that he has given Messi a challenge over the years because otherwise there would be nothing in it. You would just know that the same guy is the best player who's been the best player for a decade and he's not just a great goal scorer. He's, he's brilliant at everything else. He, he's an extraordinary player. And as you said, the only challenge is finding new ways to describe how good he is. Yeah, and I think, I think we have run out of them, so that's why we get our guests to, to do that. So thank you, John, <laughs> for that one. Um, so obviously, I do picking up on what you said in there, like, Kules are blessed. And sometimes we're a bit spoiled, I want to say, because we've got the best generation of players, to, in, my, in my humble opinion, to ever play the game. And obviously led by Messi, who is arguably the best player ever. And I'm sure you do agree because you just said that. But despite that, fans have been critical of the direction of the club for many years now. And particularly after losing Neymar's this season, everything sort of deemed, sort of seemed doom and gloom. And, and, you know, the future was gone sort of thing. But then the team with Valverde up front, obviously a newcomer to the Camp now. He was there in the late 1980s, but obviously as a manager. Then he goes on to lead the team to a double, not playing spectacular football by Pep Guardiola standards. But then again, I think he's done fairly well. Do you think there's a contradiction in there? Because winning the domestic double is something we don't do every season. But then again, the Champions League fiasco has sort of affected everyone's mind. So how do you see all that? Yeah, it, I think it's. I think he's been harshly judged, if I'm honest. He... In difficult circumstances, as as you say, I don't think the clubs. I don't think the clubs transfer work has been good for well, for a long time, and I don't think it's been brilliantly run at board level. I think the current board regime are the luckiest people in the world to have had Messi uh, and Iniesta, and um, because you know, that wasn't part of any transfer strategy, was it? You know, that's uh, that's something that they uh, two players that they were lucky to inherit. Um, so. I think Valverde came in. I think it's a you know a tricky situation. They got you, you absolutely hammered in that Super Cup game, which almost gave him the license to be a little bit more conservative, to be a little bit more cautious. And so I've got some sympathy when you know when when people when Barca fans complain um, that this is not quite the Barca way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I, I think there are things going on at the club that aren't the Barca way. I, I think a, a, a disappointing lack of players coming through from the, the club's youth policy into the first team, for example. 
I think chasing money, it's very difficult to criticise that in the modern football era because the players want to be paid a lot of money. Um, but the so well down the list of complaints about this is not the Barca way would come Valverde playing a slightly conservative form of football. I think he, I, in my view, I think he's entitled to do that. It's not the best Barca squad ever, even though it contains Messi and this season Iniesta, who's played, you know, hasn't played as much football as we all would love to have seen. Uh, Suarez hasn't been quite as sharp as he um, has been in previous years. Dembele, fingers crossed that he's on his way. Coutinho, likewise. So there's a lot still developing about this squad. There's a lot still to improve about this squad. And so in that situation, to to be close to an, an, you know, an unbeaten season, which would be incredible, to uh, have already got the, the double in the bag at this stage of the year is incredible. Um, to have messed up in that second game against Roma, uh, incredible, uh, because there is just no way that, that that should have been the case. But that's that's this season's Champions League, isn't it? You know, we've got two teams in the final who will be great fun uh, watching Liverpool against uh, Real Madrid. But, you know, it, it's just, particularly when you look at Madrid, it's just random. It's absolutely random football being played. Uh, and And, you know, Manchester City... And Barcelona, I would say, are probably the best two teams. If it was a league, I think it would be those two fighting out for the league title this season. But there we are. Champions League is a cup competition, isn't it? So, you know, I think you've got to be reasonable in how you judge it. Absolutely. We need to. And in a way, we stopped watching the Champions League with an interest once we got knocked out. But it really is unavoidable. Obviously, Madrid getting to the final. Some could say some referee's decision went the wrong way. I have to say that, you know, refereeing is very difficult, particularly on the spot. And as you've mentioned in your podcast, I think VAR is absolutely necessary in the highest competition in world football. You know, you've got players like Messi, Ronaldo and many others winning millions of euros or pounds or dollars, whichever currency you want to call about. But they just don't have the quality refereeing that, say, the NBA or the NFL do have. Um, do you think that's going to affect the Champions League in the future or even the World Cup this summer? Um, it's bound to affect it, isn't it? I think uh, I've, I've always been a fan of the video refing concept. I'm not entirely a massive fan of how they've decided to do it, though. I think they've overcomplicated it. I think it's, um, I think I don't know, I don't quite understand how they've managed to make such a mess of something that should be a relatively um, simple thing. I think there are one or two rules that we might have to look at before we have VAR. I think I would like to see a bit of a relaxation of the offside law. Um, there was a, a, a Levante game recently when uh, Jose Morales scored a really good goal, uh, but his toe had been offside in the build-up. And you'd have to go back now with the you'd have to go back and disallow that goal, which to me just seems ridiculous to be disallowing goals where the offside is as close as that. So I, I would like to see a, a zone of not being offside or something. If it goes to the VAR where there's a little bit of um, leeway for, for strikers brought in, um, Yes, I mean, for the Spanish league, I think it's important. Uh, it's great in Italy. It doesn't always work. They do make mistakes. But of course, what Italy Italy had the uh, Calciopoli's crisis, didn't they, where they were cheating and, and the referees were corrupt. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot of... I used to go out and to, to Italy and commentate and the Italians were all, oh, it's all a fix, it's all a fix, it's all a fix. And, and we naive Brits would say, no, 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 it's just made a bad decision. Uh, they were right, we were wrong. Um, the You know, the, the number of decisions that Real Madrid had last season that went their way whatever was behind it if it was just a series of mistakes it was an unacceptable series of mistakes and so at least with VAR 
you, you will remove that suspicion. They'll still make mistakes. They'll still make silly things, as we've seen in the English FA Cup this season. Uh, there's an awful lot of work to be done. I'm, I'm actually glad in England that we've delayed it for a year because it's not ready. It would have disrupted matches too much. But I think we've seen in Italy, you, you can get there and it can work. Um, and uh, uh, fingers crossed for the World Cup that they don't manage to make such a mess of it. But uh, yeah, I'm not promising. Well, talking about promises then, um, Iniesta, he, last season he signed a lifelong contract. Not even last season, it was October, wasn't it? Lifelong mm. contract, um, going to stay at Barca forever. And then fast forward eight, nine months and he's leaving us. Uh, we are not ready. Our hearts are obviously torn. Um, I haven't really cried. I'm not someone who ever cries, but I had a little tear. I did hide it, but I had a little tear coming down when he announced and obviously he started crying at the end of the Copa del Rey final and then in the conference. That was something that we couldn't really watch as Kules down here. Um, do you think his influence is comparable to that of Messi throughout the years? Or do you think that without Iniesta, Messi achieves the, the heights that he has? Um, no, no, I think he, yeah. So, yes, I think he helped Messi become what Messi has become. Obviously, Xavi likewise, and everybody else, Busquets and everybody else. Um, so he's played a massive part in Messi being what he is. When you see Messi play for Argentina, you, you, your heart goes out to him sometimes, isn't it? Because that's such a mess. And so there's a little illustration of, of how important um, you know the, the other Barcelona players have been to Messi over the years. But he is not Messi. Iniesta is, is almost a, you know, a great human footballer. Messi is something different. Um, as, as for him going to China, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I don't see why he's going. I sort of understand it uh, in the, I think the last season of Chavi, there was a lot of, no one liked to say it because everyone loved him, but it's, he was maybe there a year too long. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe Iniesta thought that, and maybe he was thinking, I don't want to be, I don't want to grow old on the pitch at the camp now. Maybe, maybe that's it. Uh, whereas, you know, and then this offer comes in and he thinks, you know what, I'll go, I'll try something new, I'll get paid a fortune, and yeah, who knows. But w one thing I would say, you know, everyone's really sad that he's going. Um, not everyone stays in China that long, do they? So no. you know, Ruben Castro went from Betis and he was back a few months later. And Paulinho so, came back to us, didn't he? Yeah, precisely. So, <laughs> you know, we I, I don't think he's going to be gone forever. I think, I think he'll be back in, I don't know, in some capacity. I think... It, I suspect what's happened that he has drawn the conclusion that he can't play at the required level, that he can't play at the level at which he wants to play in La Liga and in the Champions League. And so he's done the dignified thing of making an exit before anyone, before we're all ready for it. And sometimes that hurts, doesn't it? Because, you you know, when, you, when you've loved somebody, you want them to hang around until you're absolutely, until you're absolutely certain that it's too late. And then they can go... But I think Iniesta has gone, he's left us all wanting more, hasn't he? I think that before he goes to China, we're going to try Walt Disney. Uh, we're going to freeze him and see if we can, <laughs> can rewind the, the time a little bit for him. Um, I'm devastated. But hey, um, life does go on. And, and life going on to Sunday, we've got a huge match that obviously got Champions Barca playing against Champions League finalist Real Madrid. Would it be fair to say, though, that this is the least relevant classical in recent years? Yeah, I'm afraid to say it is, isn't it? Well, let's enjoy it. It's our last one on Sky Sports. But, um, of course, when the fixture list came out, we all assumed 
that this would be a massive game in the in the title race and you're thinking that it, you know, it could end up being decisive in the title race or at least it would tip the balance one way or the other for a race that so many seasons recently has gone down to the wire and so you know here we are um Barca have been rock solid excellent in the league and Real Madrid have just been extraordinary they, they the points that they've left mm-hmm. here there and everywhere this season they're still a threat of course you know they, they, they look at who they've beaten in the champions league you know they, well they've been everyone haven't they to be fair you know they, you know let's let's be fair they've they've had a difficult draw all the way through i don't think it's been, i don't think the referees have been a massive influence on them uh, getting through to where they've got in the champions league um they're through they can throw everything at this now can't they that he can whatever is best zidane's best team he, he can throw it out we know that Ronaldo will be desperate to score we know he'll be shooting from every possible opportunity um <laughs> so they you know they're 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 a difficult you know I mean obviously it's Real Madrid you know they can score uh in any situation they'll be a threat um in the we do the reverse to predict I've gone 3-1 Barcelona if that helps I'm not the best tipster um in the world but yeah it, it should be great and you know it's, it's it's the last one that we're going to watch on uh, Sky Sports. It could be the last one that you're watching on your traditional TV screen for viewers in the in the United Kingdom and Ireland. So you know, let, let, let's let's enjoy it. Well, I absolutely will enjoy it because I've been watching Sky Sports for years, and I think that you obviously do a fantastic job. And wherever it goes from now, I don't think it's going to be half as good. But hey, you heard it here first. Um, John, it's been an absolute pleasure having you today. Having someone of your caliber, your expertise, your your love for Spanish football is is a blessing for us. Um, our listeners obviously will want to hear about you again. So where can our listeners follow you now? Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, we always had that question. We always had that question, but I thought it was going to be harder for you today, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Twitter. I'm on so, uh, 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 Driscoll FC is my Twitter, and I, I mainly tweet about Spanish football. And I, I hope to be, you know, I, I hope not to be doing the, the window cleaning round uh, just yet. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, I don't know. I, I, it's 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 fascinating to be on the other end of transfer speculation. You know, we 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 honestly don't know. We don't know what Sky will do. We don't know what Sky uh, plans because they weren't expecting to lose the Spanish football, so they're they're scurrying around behind the scenes to, you know, to to come up with a with a plan for next season. Um, we we don't know what eleven sports have got plans, who they'll use, how they'll do it. All of this is is up in the air and so you know if, if anyone's got a taxi they need to be driven give, give me a call <laughs> well, unfortunately i don't have any taxis but if you ever want to come back to the pod you're more than welcome and um as i said before if anyone from 11 sports is listening you are wasting your time not calling mr driscoll um john it's been a pleasure have a good night thank you very much Muchas gracias. my pleasure my pleasure yeah keep in touch uh, good work on the pod thank you very much you too Wonderful stuff from John Driscoll. Again, thank you. A big thank you to him for coming on the show and best of luck in the future. And thanks to you for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza, and let's win a Clásico. What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. 
Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX command simulated. At Metro, the best deal in wireless is on. Switch to Metro and get one full Amazon Prime membership included every month. Plus, get two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens. All with two lines for just 90 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.